Wraparound with Grace, Alessia, and Marjorie. Welcome back to the Wraparound. It's uh, been a hot minute. Things are a little different here. Uh, we're a podcast now, which is kind of awesome. I'm Marjorie, and I'm just going to let the other girls introduce themselves as well. Hi, I'm Grace. Hi, I'm Alessia. And uh, we're all sport media students at Ryerson University in Toronto, Ontario. If you've never heard of The Wraparound before, we did used to be a radio show on Spirit Live, which is Ryerson's radio station. Um, And we had a great time on Spirit Live. But just because of coronavirus and everything, uh, we had to move home and stop producing the show. But we still wanted to create content. So now that hockey's back, we thought it would be the perfect time to bring the show back. And we just want to give a huge shout out to Spirit Live for being awesome for those what three months that we were doing the show yeah. I think so yeah. yeah yeah and it was it was such a great experience and we we hope we get to go back at some point but obviously that's not realistic right now so you'll have to listen to us here yeah in our the homes it's our new version. home yeah <laughs> we're not in our little usual studio setting right now but we, Which we miss so much that oh. hot spirit live radio show studio yeah, but uh, we made our little makeshift studios right now, so bear with us while we get ourselves a little organized, but I promise you that the content and the quality of the show is the same as it always was. So hockey is finally back. I know that everybody's missed it. It's a little bit different now, especially with the virus going on. Um, teams are in the bubble, as they're calling it. Uh, different hub cities so one in Edmonton and one in Toronto everything's changed so the way the playoff uh, format is literally everything so yeah we have a a round robin going on right now and the play-in round so for the round robin the teams are already they've already made the playoff prior to the pause and the play-in round is a best of five series for all the teams who didn't quite make the playoffs but Probably could have. Toronto and Edmonton are hub cities, and then they're doing daily COVID-19 testing for all of their players in awesome. bubbles, yeah, which is NHL. really great. They've done a really good job keeping their players and management safe. I was conflicted. I don't know about the two of you, but I didn't know if I wanted sports to come back because I was like, is it worth it? I but felt I, uh, the same way too. I felt honestly the same way too. And a lot of players, like, you know, particularly like Max Domi, they all have like their own health issues. Is it really worth risking your health to get back to sports? And a lot of these guys are really competitive, you know, and they would do anything to be with their team. So even I, I was with Grace too. I'm like, do I really want sports to come back? Like, I'm, am I really like for these guys risking their health? But the NHL has done honestly an exceptional job. They recently just reported that they did 7,000 tests and zero came back positive. So I think other leagues, um, the MLB should be taking uh, notes. <laughs> that's probably the biggest example of a really major league that's done very poorly on their like back to play plans. They basically had no plans set in place. It's kind of just like the regular season play. And then we find out that the Marlins are keep on testing positive. And then the Cardinals went out to the casino on one of their trips. Yeah. Like, there's just no no rules put in place, but the NHL has done a really, really great job to ensure the safety of their players, and so we could watch hockey again. And they, they thought it through really well, too, because even um, you see the media personnel, they're on the upper levels of both arenas. They have no contact with players or staff, um, and they just they have their own section. So they're all set up. They have their own offices. 
And there's no way that they'll come in contact with anybody in the bubble. So I think it was a really thought, well thought out plan, which I honestly wasn't really expecting from the NHL. But they, they surprised us in the best way. Yeah. And even the um, sideline reporters on like at the ringside, they're also encased in their own little glass bubble. So the players can't really get that close to them and they really can't get that close to the players either. So it's, it's really good overall. The cool thing about the bubble is that there's mingling in between all these other players that they <laughs> exactly. probably wouldn't that probably wouldn't see like that much of each other during the season. But it's kind of awesome to see all these players just around each other. I saw this thing on Twitter. It was a tweet that said we need a big brother version of all of oh the hotels gosh, in the bubble. That would awesome. be so funny. Just like cameras everywhere. We need to see it. Because even the David Pasternak tweet about Tom Wilson. Oh, he was like, in my serious. opinion, Tom Wilson is the best scorer in the league. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Because it's so unexpected. And we have, what, a couple more months of this bubble thing left. So the other things yeah. that could happen are exciting to think about. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw. I don't know if the NHL had posted or had seen it on Twitter. But Anders Lee and the Islanders had a ping pong championship in the lobby mm-hmm. or the main area of their yeah. floor. It's just so cool to see, like, the teams mingling and, you know, getting to bond with one another as a team. That's huge in a playoff setting. Yeah, and also, like, big shout-out to Edmonton and our precious city of Toronto of doing a really good job of, you know, really closing off these areas for the players. Uh, Like, they closed off, like, a huge section, kind of like a tunnel to make sure that players can get through to Scotiabank Arena, the same over in Edmonton. Um, you know, they've closed off like certain restaurants for them, you know, here in Toronto, they've given them the whole entirety of BMO field, which is pretty awesome. Um, so also big shout out to them for being able to, you know, maneuver and like be able to manage so many big guys that need to keep (laughs) like stimulated in order to, you know, be prepared for these games. That's the other thing. Can we talk about the quality of the food in the NHL? over like the NBA. I don't know if you saw a couple weeks ago, but the NBA, their food looked... It looks like rabbit food. Hideous. It was terrible. I don't know where I saw, but there was a basketball player. I, I can't even remember his name. And he had ordered a vegan burger. And he, when he took a bite of it, he's like, this is definitely not vegan. This is like <laughs> 100% beef. I don't awful. know. I was like the other day and I honestly cannot even remember his name, but I remember there was like a video and he's like, what the heck is this? This is definitely not vegan. I felt so bad. I can definitely attest to the food being served at Hotel X because as you guys know, my my sister got married at Hotel X and the food they serve there is like absolutely insane. It's so ridiculously good. So I can't really speak for the players at Royal York, but I'm sure that's also really like high-end hotel. So I'm sure they're also being fed like pretty decent food at least well I saw pictures they've been doing like buffets and everything for the Mm -hmm. players which I think is really good um because then they kind of have control over what they're eating rather than just having a plate of food being brought to their room being like here I can't remember which hotel it was I'm pretty sure it was in Toronto either Hotel X or the Royal York um they had like a, a Tim Hortons food truck outside I guess for the players to grab their morning coffee I thought that was pretty cool yeah, yeah, all in all, so they've, they've done a really good job at setting this up for like to be as enjoyable as they can for the players. And even they set up pictures of the players' families in their hotel rooms. And they just tried to, I think they tried to make it like as easy of an experience as possible. 
because like obviously things are kind of terrifying right now and it doesn't help to leave your family and go sit in a hotel with a bunch of other guys for four months (laughs) yeah and plus it it must suck for like the players who are from from Toronto or like some players who are from you know Edmonton or like Ontario or like Alberta and like you can't see your family even though you might be only like what 15 15 minutes minutes away from them yeah so it is it's it's really nice when I saw that they did add those pictures and like personalized videos it is really sweet and it's really nice to see that the league is making sure they're at home away from home um with that being said there's been a lot of games that have been played um there's games being played currently as we speak um it's so this is going to be really outdated by the time we publish it (laughs) yeah but uh so there's games literally constantly 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 being played i don't um, know about you guys but as soon as i wake up the tv is on and i'm watching hockey until i go to bed exactly that's all i've been doing you know during this quarantine i've kind of got into like a routine of like get up do certain things now that hockey's on it's just wake up watch hockey go to bed breathe sleep just finish walking yeah yeah (laughs) it's insane and a lot of people are like oh i can't i can't imagine us not like going back to this when this like the next season starts i'm like oh my gosh (laughs) well because like obviously the players can do it and yeah it's takes a lot of effort but like it's apparently easy to do yeah and it's more fun <laughs> yeah there's like hockey like 24 7 quarantine hockey is probably the best hockey that we've gotten so just sad to say considering <laughs> it took us a global pandemic to get here but yeah we really enjoy it and um, it's it's crazy because a lot of people were doubting like the quality of hockey that we'd be watching being like you know there's no fans in the audience there's not really you're not getting that confidence and that excitement from anything but to be quite honest the hockey that I'm seeing is like playoff hockey they're putting in their 100 percent yeah the, the guys definitely haven't had like lacked skill or strength or anything it literally looks like they've stopped playing for maybe a couple weeks and then they got right back into it like it's pretty pretty good hockey uh, like we said there is round robin play um I wouldn't say those are less significant than the series games, but they aren't as they aren't weighed as much just because there isn't as much as, uh, at stake for them. Um, so, in the East, some of the series that I've been really looking at is obviously Penguins with Montreal. You know, that's a pretty interesting tight knit series. series. Yeah, the Islanders and the Panthers. The Islanders. They're playing right now, so we have to see how that goes because they are leading 2-0, so it's important. I don't know about what you guys, what are you guys looking at? I uh, was honestly surprised that the Carolina Hurricanes swept the New York Rangers. Very surprised. And it was kind of disappointing because poor Henrik Lundqvist. I know. Like, those were probably his last games as a Ranger, and it's just like it ended in a sweep. But Carolina came out really strong. Yes, they like, did. I was impressed because I didn't expect that from them. Of course, they're really good at playing hockey, obviously. They put on a really good show for fans. But to have them come back after four months of not playing and just sweep the Rangers, and they just, like, effortlessly. There yeah, wasn't really did. too much of a fight, so. Yeah, they definitely have that experience from, like, last year. But then thinking about it, like, I saw a tweet the other day. I don't think before this pause the Rangers were this bad. And if you think about it, like, what team can say, 
oh, we're not going to play our first goalie, but we have our backup goalie, Lundqvist. Like, that's insane. Like, there's so much talent on that team in terms of, go- like, goaltending. And it's crazy how they just got knocked out that easily. I mean, I've, I was surprised that they completely swept them, but I wasn't surprised that they were playing so well because the Canes have been a team that slowly has been, you know, getting better and better and better. And they have a good team of young players that contribute quite a lot, like Sebastian Ajo. We have Svechnikov in there. Uh, sadly, Dougie Hamilton wasn't playing, but he's also an integral part of that team. But it is sad to see a veteran like Lundqvist just get completely blown out of this playoff series. The series I was most excited for was the Oilers and the Blackhawks because you're going, so the Blackhawks obviously experienced, they know what it takes to win a cup. You got Kane and Taves that are like that dynamic duo, but then you also have the Oilers and McDavid and Dreisaitl who are trying to prove themselves, trying to prove that they can win a cup with their team. And the Blackhawks came out flying the first game. Oh, I watched that first game and I was like, are the Oilers about to get swept? Yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, what is, what's going on here? And honestly, you can't, you can't, I don't know. You just can't bet against Kane and Taves. That's just me. But I think like, that's going to be an interesting series. Yeah. Chicago has been like a little sleepy these past, like what, couple of years, but they clearly like did something during quarantine. And then it's clearly obviously working for them. Uh, obviously, yeah, you can never really disappoint with uh, Taves and Kane. Like, they're just, I don't know. Especially Taves. He's just something else right now. He's literally just on a roll. Yeah, and they also have the Blackhawks. Not only do they have Kane and Taves, they also have guys like Stroman Duck. So you kind of have these guys who are very experienced and are bringing that experience to these younger guys like Stroman Duck. And they're doing they're doing a pretty good job for what it's like for what they – like how they did during the season till now, they definitely did something. They tweaked something there because they've been pretty good. And then on Monday's game, I don't know if you guys watched that one, um, but the Oilers were incredible on Monday and Connor McDavid, especially. So Connor McDavid got a hat trick Mm -hmm. and then he didn't like that. They threw hats on the ice. Really? He didn't like, he was unimpressed. but that's such a mcdavid reaction though he's like such a low-key guy that he literally i don't think i've ever really seen him show emotion that's true that is true this is probably the most emotion we've seen out of him is him being unimpressed that there were hats on the ice (laughs) yeah like but i mean whatever whatever works for him i guess i guess showing no emotion (laughs) is what gets him the goals in the net besides teams and what games we've been watching out for there have been really great players that stepped up to the plate and uh for me it'll probably be i don't know price he was amazing in net for the habs Uh, another surprise one is corpusalo for the blue jackets okay corpusalo has faced 68 shots so far he's been light and he has led in two goals like it's insane like yesterday when i was watching the game Tavares could, like, not get through to him. That's the thing, though. Toronto can beat the Columbus offense, the defense. They can get through and weave their way in through that. But they cannot beat this goaltender. Like, I was – when I heard that that um, Torres had decided to put Corpusello in net, I was like, 
easy only because I was like, he has no playoff experience. They've been gone for forever. He'll be rusty. And I was like, uh, that's what you get for talking he had off. He had a shutout in his first playoff game ever against the team with one of the best offensive players in the game. And like with one of the best power plays in the game, like just everything. And he was just, he was like, no, no. He was like, bye-bye. And he was like, no, thanks. <laughs> Have a good time with Lafreniere, whatever. <laughs> and then Price is also another awesome goalie. I mean, we all know about Price. We all love him dearly, but Definitely. he's really showing off. Yeah, so with Price, you know, I'm not going to say he's old. I'm really not going to say he's old, but he's obviously getting up in his years. He's played so many years with Montreal, and I'm absolutely – I have no doubt in my mind he wants to compete for a cup – with this team he said it so many times he wants to stay in Montreal but at the same time I'm not even surprised that he's been lights out for Montreal and it's really hard to get past him and in saying that um in order for Montreal to compete in the series with the offense that Pittsburgh has with Malkin Crosby and many more um Price basically needs to stay and on his head in order to give Montreal a chance to win these games. And without that, the offense, and especially the power play that has not been the greatest for Montreal, needs to be 100% in order for them to go far or to get past the qualifying round right now. Yeah, that's true. It has to be a collective effort, and uh, we see that a lot of teams have standout players, but at the end of the day, what's going to win them the series is the collective effort by the team and uh I guess we just have to keep on watching hockey 24 7 to continue seeing what's going on I'm not mad about it that's for sure (laughs) definitely not um and then we do have the virus going on but then there's been multiple things that have come out during this era um especially with the Black Lives Matter movement uh which has been a really important part of uh, everybody's everyday life just because it's a really important message that needs to be said that needs to continue being said and that has to just continue being talked about we can't ever stop this conversation that has been finally started um and the nhl is doing an okay job but the players are doing a better job to kind of get the nhl started I agree 100%. And I got a shout out and I have so much respect for Matt Dumba and that speech he did. And also, I don't know if you guys were able to catch the short feature that David Amber did um, with Matt Dumba yesterday on Sportsnet, I believe it was, it was amazing. And you know, it's got it. He has to have so much guts to stand up in front of all those players and say a speech like that. It was it was honestly so powerful and yeah just watching that it just goes to show that there are there are players in this league that will use their platform to voice their opinions on these matters and I think other hockey players and other athletes not just hockey players but they also need to understand the platform they have to make a difference in the league yeah Dumba's speech took so much courage um, to stand in front of a bunch of NHL players and say all of that from from memory too. He didn't have a teleprompter or anything and he wrote the speech. Um, That was absolutely incredible. The one thing though, I would have liked to see his teammates kneel with him because he did kneel for the U.S. Anthem, 
Mm-hmm. And then he had, I think it was Darnell Nurse and Malcolm Subban um, yes. beside him. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to see them kneel instead of just standing beside him. I think that would have yeah. been nicer, but you know, you can't do anything about it now. But I think that really was the thing that triggered Tyler Seguin, Leonard Dickinson and Reeves into kneeling before their Vegas and Dallas game, um, which was also incredibly brave. And especially for the Vegas players, because Vegas, the team's stance on the Black Lives Matters movement was that they weren't going to really say anything about it. I think it was really brave for them to do that. And it just built on what Dumba said and really made it a good week for the league in terms of the Black Lives Matter movement. But I, I would like to see other players from other teams take a stand as well. And the important thing that happened, like the most important thing that also came out of that was that there was a discussion that was mm-hmm. made. You know, Tyler Steichen had a discussion with Ryan Reeves about him joining him in kneeling. And then Robin Leonard decided to also join because I don't know if you guys remember, but a couple, I think maybe a couple years ago, he decided to put some Trump memorabilia sticker on, on his, his helmet. Uh, helmet. And uh, he's kind of, I guess I would, you would say atoning for those really um, those moments that he had that he wasn't too much, I guess, aware of what he was actually doing and uh, giving his stance, you know, what I do care. And, you know, just because I did this, that's not who I really am, which is also great to see that he's taking responsibility for his actions and decided to have that discussion with Reeves, especially Reeves, because out of the four of them, he's the one who is a minority. And for them to have that conversation all together is really, really important. It was great to hear that they had that. Really, the NHL does need to do a better job on having these discussions with their, with the, with their players, because in reality, we all know majority of the league is a white dominated league there aren't a lot of players Mm -hmm. that are from ethnic minorities and those players that are from ethnic minorities as we can see that there have been many many stories in the media recently that they have been targeted and they have been scrutinized against because of the color of their skin uh, which no one ever should go through and so the nhl needs to have a better culture of of acceptance and like telling their players this is not right and this is not the world we should be living in and it it really just shows how bad it was and I don't think anybody like it was obvious that there was a a problem but I don't think anybody really paid too much attention to it until it took a worldwide protest to draw attention to what was really going on so I think that this whole it's been really beneficial for the league to kind of take a step back and look at what they've been doing wrong, look at what they can do better. Because even the media, it's predominantly male and it's white. So there's a lot of things to be fixed. Yeah. Um, But either way, it's great to see that these players are finally, you know, taking a stand. um, They don't care about what other people say. And that's the important thing. You know, you have to stand up for what you believe in. And it's awesome to see players uh, finally standing side by side and acknowledging the issues that have been plaguing the league for a lot of years. Um, so with that being said, we'll move on to our next uh, little segment and we're going to talk about injuries that have plagued the league these past couple days and very controversial plays, yeah, (laughs) that I might say. The first one being Matthew Kachuk's hit on Mark Shifley. Okay, can we, before we do this, can we just take a second to say poor Winnipeg? 
Yes. They're loose. <laughs> they, they've lost Shifley. Liney. Liney. Oh my gosh. And I don't know who I'd, there was one other player who got hurt during yesterday's game. I'm not too sure if he was able to come back, but when I saw that, I was like, oh my, it just gets worse for them. But even without those two players, they've been doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. They haven't been too bad. Yeah, I mean, Winnipeg has a, pre- a pretty decent, like, overall team. You know, it sucks to see, like, key players like Shifley and Line uh, leave. But, you know, when you have a good team, you can do without those players. And that's clearly what we've been seeing with Winnipeg. But what do we think? Was Kachuk's hit on Shifley intentional or accidental? Let me be mad about this for a second. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> just, just let me be grumpy. There is no way from that angle that that hit was intentional. You cannot cut somebody's Achilles from that angle with a skate. There's no way. With how fast the game moves, Matthew Kachuk cannot move his leg that fast to cut an Achilles. That was an accident. Okay, I was going to say, if you actually look at the, like, if you go through it slow motion, Kachuk goes in for the hit. He's going in for more of like center where Shifley is. Shifley makes a sharp turn and then that's where he gets him. And that leg coming up, I honestly think it's a natural reaction. But the thing that most got, like, which got me was Paul Marie saying it was filthy. It was a disgusting hit. He's trying to get under Kachuk because he knows Kachuk is one of Calgary's best players. And I've heard a lot of like reporters saying that he was trying to get a suspension out of it. Because Calgary, like Kachuk, you see, he gets under the skin of every player. That's how, like, that's almost why they win games. And I think, I feel like Paul Maurice, like, also specifically said that because everybody knows that that's kind of Kachuk's personality. You know, everybody knows that he's just kind of that little worm that's just in there and, like, people just, like, love to hate on. And so by him saying that, he'll know that people are going to be like, oh, yeah, like, he definitely did it on purpose. And people, he'll, he knows that people are going to agree with him and side with him. Well, and really at this point, like, to get better than Calgary with the injuries they've had, Winnipeg needs to get Calgary's best players out of there. So for Paul Maurice to try and get a suspension, it makes sense. But what I liked is that the Calgary coach, Geoff Ward, stuck up for his player. Mm-hmm. He was like, listen, Paul, <laughs> that's not right. <laughs> that's what I Don't be saying. mean to my players. And it's true, like, Kachuk and his brother, too. Brady, they play almost a very similar game. They're on edge. But to say that he did that intentionally, like, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. I feel like if it was actually intentional, then I feel like he definitely would have, like, I don't know, had, I don't know, I feel like you can always see the malice that comes out of an intentional hit like that, but when it's accidental, I don't think he would have reacted. I think he would have reacted differently. Well, yeah, and you can tell in the post game uh, from that game, which, first of all, can I say was terrible? I tweeted about it. I hated that post game. It actually hurt me inside, Um, but Kachuk's reaction to being asked whether it was intentional or not, you can tell that it wasn't because he seems annoyed that he's even being asked like almost offended that somebody would think that he's like that dirty yeah he's like i'm a dirty player we're not that dirty like i'm not gonna slice somebody's (laughs) achilles open yeah Yeah. okay so when you're going in for a hit is not to be like oh i'm gonna slice this guy's achilles open like that's never that's never running through your mind as a player i'm i'm pretty sure 
yeah, if that's running through your mind, then you're obviously in like the wrong league. Like, go to like I don't know UFC fighting or something. <laughs> so, since we agreed that that's accidental, let's move on to the next controversial hit, which was Pierre Luc Dubois on Jake Muzzin. Okay, I was watching that as it happened. Yes, it was an illegal cross check, but really, how many illegal cross checks happen in a game that don't? end in an injury like that okay you see the thing for me is that there's a clip or like i was also watching the game but there's a clip earlier where you can see specifically that tortorella is like just hammering down on dubois and they're having this really big fight essentially because he wants dubois to be a little rougher and to be a little stronger so he eventually does that but that eventually leads to jake muzzin getting injured he's out for the rest of the series he has to quarantine he's going to continue quarantine with the team but he won't be able to play for the rest of the series and Dubois got no punishment for it and this is my thing I don't think had Muzzin not got injured because really that was like dumb luck he fell and somebody's somebody's leg just was there so had that not happened it definitely wouldn't be as big of a debate as it is that being said, I'm not saying that what happened was good, <laughs> but the fact that there wasn't a punishment for Dubois wasn't surprising. Yeah, it, it's hard because, like you said, those hits don't really get called in the first place. So how are you going to call out one player that so happened to do this this one time and that resulted in an injury? You know, it's also I was also getting really upset because I think one of the NBC reporters or something said that he like Muzzin was just faking it because he wanted uh, to get a call or whatever and uh, I was like well you can clearly see that's not for a call and if you clearly see this replay you know it was a little hard of a hit I don't think you just fake it and so I hate I I don't hate I mean I just didn't like (laughs) that a reporter of a caliber such as his would make such a like blunt accusation well and that's the thing from a media standpoint that whole thing was kind of a bit of a blunder a they shouldn't have shown jake muzzin lying on the ice for 10 minutes yes the fact that they just showed that whole thing live i didn't like that like to show maybe the first two or three minutes whatever that's fine because you don't really know what's going to happen maybe he'll get up he'll be fine but once it extends past that, and especially with the silence in the arena, it like it didn't need to happen. It spiraled out of control from there, really, because all of a sudden you have everybody in this debate, and Columbus fans are like, oh yeah, maybe he is faking it. And then hockey Twitter was an absolute disaster for the rest of the day. But I think that boy, that whole thing was just a mess. Yeah, it was just definitely something that... Uh... Obviously, you can't prepare for things like that, but uh, when it comes to a situation like this where... There's literally nobody other than the players in that arena. And it's just so, so, so silent. It freaks everybody out. It was like really eerie. It was like, it made the whole matter so much more scarier. Like there's nothing like, like distracting you, like from what happened. Exactly. And and like Grace said, like they could have easily, okay, if you want to show the first two minutes of it, fine. But then after that, I'm pretty sure you have the option to take a commercial break to go, you know, not that people have to watch a whole 10 minutes 
of this scene. Like it, it wasn't a great sight to see, especially like an injury like that. The only like funny thing I'm like getting out of this is like all like the memes and like everything coming through about like what the Leafs are going to do to the Blue Jackets, like the next game and how Kyle Clifford is going to react because, you know, Kyle Clifford and Jake Muzzin are like pretty good buddies, especially since they played together in LA. So that's the only thing that's like getting me to like really want to watch this game even more because I want to see what's going to go down. I want to know what happened in the hotel afterwards. They're in the same hotel. Oh, Lord. I want to know if that elevator meetup was as awkward (laughs) as we think it is. No, you know what else was super funny after that game? Have you guys seen that video of JT just like trying to navigate his way through the Bruins players? Oh, that was great. It was hilarious. I don't know if you guys saw post-game when they do, like, the Zoom meeting calls for, like, the reporters to say the questions where they called Mitch Marner Mitch Marnie, and him and Freddie just looked at each other like, what is going on? That was one of the funniest things. I think he just needs to change his jersey to Marnie now. I think it's his official name. Oh, for sure. But you would think these reporters during these Zoom calls would actually, like, you know, know this guy's name when they said Marnie. I don't know if he did it because, like, a nickname or he actually just screwed up. But it was <laughs> like, hilarious. Was he just, like, his brain just fumbled and he had like, a Was he nervous? Like, and he was just like, Mitch Marnie? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but it was hilarious. I loved it. Um, it was great. Thing. We have some youngsters taking over the league. Um you know, we have Nick Robertson from the Leafs, Nick Suzuki and Kakiniemi. Oh my God, I can never pronounce his name from the Habs. And then we also have Carter Hart from the Phillies. Um, all really, really great young players. And so, Grace, let's talk about Nick Robertson. Yeah, so I thought Nick Robertson was really impressive in his first game. Um, for being an 18-year-old in the league. And the thing that freaked me out is that he's, he's younger. younger than us. Yeah. Than all which three is, of us. Which is <laughs> insane. Which is really weird. Um, for being an 18-year-old against all these big guys, especially in like immediate playoff um, kind of environments and formats, it it was really impressive to see him on the ice. And he wasn't afraid to shoot the puck. He wasn't afraid mm-hmm. to get into those battles in the corners yeah. and everything. He just kind of went for it. Um, and I think that was really impressive. And that's why he's still playing with the team right now. Because that first game he came out and he just showed that he was ready to go. He he did a great job. He's just like so eager to play, which is awesome to see. Which is what you always see from young players. And so other really young players, like I said, are from the players from the Habs. So Alessia, our Habs expert, what do you have to say about them? Well, I've loved Nick Suzuki ever since came to the Montreal Canadiens, and you can tell that Claude Julien's also liked him too. Uh, the coach has taken a lot of flack in the past for not giving youngsters the opportunity to succeed. Um, you know, in their early years, being with the, like, their NHL team, not in the AHL, but NHL. Um, but during this playoff series, he's been one of their best players. He scored the second goal in the first game that Montreal played. He battles hard. He's an amazing playmaker. Um he can play the wing and the center, which is great. Something that Montreal needs because their offense is not that strong. And like I said, you can see Claude Julien put a lot of confidence in him. Um, I believe it was the first game they played against the Penguins. It was a five-on-three. He put him out as the lone forward with the defense, like the defensive pair, and they killed off that penalty. I feel like whenever coaches decide to put 
the forward for the penalty kill, I feel like you always kind of know that's probably one of their most trusted players because, you know, you could put another defenseman, but, you know, you're testing you just in case you can get the shorty, right? Exactly. And like I said, like a lot of people have given Julian crap. Like, say crap. They've given a lot of crap in the past, especially with Kakaniemi and other youngsters saying, like, why don't you give them more ice time in Kakaniemi's case? Yes. He deserves more ice time, but Suzuki, he's put in his, he's put in confidence in Suzuki. So I guess I'll move to Kotkaniemi. Um, he scored the first goal for the Habs in both games. Um, you know, he just came back from a spleen injury. Um, the season that he had, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't what people are expecting. It wasn't great, but like I said, it's only his second year in the NHL and he's pretty, he's still pretty young. So during the pause, he focused more on his skating, which you can definitely see. He's gotten bigger and faster. Um, in terms of how he's being used, he's not on the first power play unit, which I think potentially he could get there because he's been such a force for the Habs right now. And the third line that he's on is pretty good, and they should keep that together for his success, like for his sake. Great players all around. Um, so those were mainly forwards we were speaking about let's talk about a young goalie one of my favorites in the league which is Carter Hart he's only I think 21 I want to say and um, he's a starter for the Phillies which is like insane to think someone so young especially for goaltending is uh, starting yeah because goaltenders are one of the hardest positions to develop so, exactly. like, really, in reality, he shouldn't have gotten his chance to be a starter in the playoffs mm-hmm. for at least another year, maybe two. So the fact that he's in the playoffs, especially in this situation where they just kind of dumped him in a hotel and were like, here, go play hockey, um, is really impressive. Yeah, and I, w- I was going to say, um, even the other day I was watching the game and I tweeted this out, and it's funny because Nate Thompson post-game, he also said the same thing. Carter Hart, the way he plays, like – Besides his, like, you know, his game, like, technically, when you look at, like, his demeanor in net, it's so calm for a 21-year-old mm-hmm. to be playing in the playoffs. It's so calm, and it reminds me exactly of, like, Price, like Harry Price. And it's funny that Nate Thompson also said that as well. But it's insane how calm and collected he is in that net when he's playing for Philadelphia. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I haven't seen a lot of the Phillies games, but I did watch their, uh, like, I watched the full exhibition game against the Pens just to get a feel for what was going on. And, like, he had some, like, incredible, incredible saves in that game. And, like, to think that that was the first game that they played, like, back, and he looked completely in the zone. Like, he barely fumbled. Like, it's insane that he has such a great presence on the ice, and you can tell that his D-men and his forwards trust him completely, which is really hard to do when you're so young. It's hard to establish a position on your team when you're so young because you're still learning from other players on the team. But when you're a goalie and you're that young, for your players to have that faith in you, especially your coach who started you, is a really great, amazing uh, feat for him. I think we're almost getting done here, and so we can just talk about what games we're going to watch and which games we're going to keep an eye on well obviously I'm going to be looking at Montreal and Pittsburgh um it I don't know it's going to be interesting for me I'm going to come out and say I'm more on the bandwagon of hoping that it goes well up to the fifth game 
but Montreal has a chance to get Lafreniere because before this pause, um, a lot of Habs fans, and I'm assuming the organization was banking on this year's draft to build their prospect pool in order to keep building this team to get better. And, you know, this happened. We didn't know that the virus was going to happen. We didn't know the bubble and all of this was going to occur. And Montreal got a chance um, to compete in the playoffs, which is a good thing and a bad thing because Bergevin has been saying for so long that this team can be a playoff team. But before the virus, they were not in a playoff position. So now if they're going to keep winning and beating Pittsburgh, I really hope he doesn't put the brakes on trying to make this team better or he just says in his mind, this team can compete. I don't have to make any changes because there definitely needs to be some changes. And also even on Pittsburgh's side, I'm excited to see what Crosby and Malkin can do and especially the goalie Murray. And like I said before, Oilers and Blackhawks are also one of the series I've been most excited to watch. Yeah, and like I said before, with the Isles in Florida, I just kept, I just checked right now, Florida won, so they're still in the series, so that's going to be interesting to see if Florida can whip up some magic and, you know, overcome their deficit. And then, yeah, like you said, Edmonton versus Chicago, let's see if Captain Taves can produce some more. Connor McDavid, potentially another hat trick the next game, and they'll whip some more hats on the ice. And then he'll be grumpy again. (laughs) Yeah, so that's pretty much, I think, what we've had for the show today. It was awesome to finally talk some hockey again. Yes, it was. It was. Life is normal once again. I feel so incredibly happy. I was texting the girls. I was like, I'm so excited. I just want to talk hockey. I couldn't sleep last night. I was like, tomorrow we get to talk hockey for almost an hour, and I can't wait because, A, interaction with people after four months of being by myself, and we get to talk about our favorite sport. We'll have lots of shows coming up for you guys, so you can keep up to date. You know, there's a lot of hockey, so we're going to have a lot of things to talk about. So keep watching the games, keep updated, and uh, I guess we'll see you next time. 